The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Titan Sized Podcast. I'm Luke Warsham, joined by the other two hosts of the Titan Sized Podcast, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We thank you so much for listening. Um, we're just going to go ahead and get right into it. This is our recap episode for Titans versus Dolphins. Uh, I made a comment earlier, and I'll say, I'll say it again just to kick the episode off. I have never felt like I'm sitting here, I feel exhausted. I have never felt so tired. After a day where I just sat in my house and watched the TV. But I like that game was a journey. Yeah, um, I had a serious headache after it was all over. Um, it was a journey is is one way of putting it. Uh, a travesty is probably another another way people might put it. Um, it was just what a weird day. Yeah, all the delays, all the injuries. Um, and it was a weird game in general, um, that, that went into the fourth quarter, not even, uh, what was it like 10, 10 at one point in the fourth quarter with yeah. like 14 and minutes it, and left. And then it was 17, 17, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It, after the kick like, returns. Yeah. Out of nowhere. So, um, that was a weird game. Um, unfortunately we have to talk about it. Um, but I'll, I'll just say this. It, it's week one. Um, we were missing our three best or at least three most important offensive players. Um, there, there was a bunch of delays. We were on the road, um, and there were just a lot of things going against us um, in that game. So let's not hit the panic button just yet, um, and let's just get behind the team for now. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good way to put it. Um, still, it was one of the sloppiest, like most disappointing afternoons i've ever had watching football and that's at the college level high school nfl i mean it, it's just it was one of the worst games to just watch for several different reasons that i'm sure we'll talk about uh, joe rexroad friend of the show referred to it as football <laughs> in three acts that, that's so so accurate i mean it, you guys remember the uh the detroit game in 2012 you know where Ooh. it just kept going yeah. back and forth this reminded me of that Except that game you know, went into overtime and the Titans won and it didn't take seven hours. But it reminded me of that game and that just everything bizarre happened. 
Yeah, and uh, in that game, I specifically remember, um, I think the Lions had like a last-second Hail Mary. And, and it was caught. I'm pretty sure every every Titans fan knew that Calvin Johnson was coming down with that pass. Oh, it actually wasn't Calvin Johnson. It was Titus Young. This oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. He bat- it got this... batted down, right? Yeah, he's a tiny little dude. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. It got batted down and on it, yeah. 5'11". That he, hurt. He caught the Hail Mary. Yeah, well, the Titans fans, I think, are just used to just to misery. Um, and that's why before this game, I, I had a really bad vibe that it wasn't going to go our way. I didn't think it was going to happen quite like it did. Um, but the Titans are just prone to these uh, these stinkers. Um, a, lot, a lot of organizations just, they can't kick these uh, these trends and these... Um, um, these bad, uh, these bad habits. I mean, just ask the Steelers if they go on the road against against an underdog, they're gonna, they're probably gonna blow the game, and and they did against the Browns. So, yeah. it it, ha- it it happens. There's nothing you can do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, y'all y'all pretty much said it. it's it, that that Lions game. I think I was actually at that. That was at home, I believe. Yeah, and. Um, I was at that game, and the game had started to clear out because we were ahead, and then they started coming back, and slowly the the stadium was more Lions fans than it was Titans fans, and I felt this, like, impending sense of doom (laughs) that we would lose that game. Yeah. Just, like, they were cheering way louder than we were cheering, and it just, it felt like it was just another heartbreaker we were going to lose. Luckily, it didn't happen that way, which is not the case for this week. You know, it felt like we were going to lose, and we did. Even through glimpses of hope, we found ways to lose, which is always the sign of a well-coached and well-played game. Um, so before we get into injuries and talking about offensive and defensive game plans, I want to uh, talk to you for just a second about Darius Jennings' uh, kickoff return touchdown. Happened right after Jakeem Grant had one for the Dolphins. Very reminiscent of the uh, the Darius Renaud exchange in that Lions game. So two questions. Uh, number one, Will, I think it's funny you tweeted, uh, who does the Titans have returning kickoffs? Darius Jennings. Like, it's with so much spite in that tweet. And then he ran one back 100 yards. And then um, right, my second thing is, that was the first time the Titans have had a return touchdown since – Darius Raynaud. Wow. It's a Darius thing, it's I guess. It's been six years. <laughs> six years? Six years. That's actually not surprising to me. Wait, because, I mean, think, yeah, about, I, think of who they had. Now, now, granted, Leon Washington was good, and he got close one time. I think he was tackled at, like, the two, and then Chris Johnson ran it in from two yards out. That was against Denver. But other than Washington, they had Dexter McCluster back there. They had 50-year-old Mark Mariani. They had Damian Williams back there one time, Parrish Cox. Um, I mean, they had a Dory last year. Yeah, Dory last year, and he returned a couple back, but they all got called back. Was block illegal blocks <laughs> or stuff. So, but yeah, yeah, it, it was a it was a great return. Um, and I I mean I guess we found our kick returner. I figured it was it was going to be Cameron Batson since we too. kept him on the roster. And and honestly, um, I I don't think the door is closed for Batson to be active next week because after the little shoulder whatever that Adoree had, do you worry about putting mm. him back there at punt returner? And Darius Jennings is not a punt returner. If they put another guy back there, it's going to be Batson. 
I mean, Rashard Matthews returned a punt, so was who weird. knows? That, that was, was very weird. weird. That that made no sense to me. I like I could not think of a guy less fit to do it. Like, like you, maybe you Corey Davis just because like, he's so big it'd be hard for him to get up. You would I think they just wanted a sure handed guy, I'm assuming. Maybe I mean put a I almost said Weems, he doesn't play here anymore. Um, <laughs> put a like you could have put Deion Lewis back there. But Jennings. Taewon. We'll put Warren back there. That's that's the guy who should do it. Fluellen. He's always been pretty I've, sure. I've handed. never watched like, Fluellen catch a punt. Well, I mean, he's always been. I mean, I say that just because he's always doing special team stuff. I assume he's caught punts before. He's a running back, and he's got pretty decent ball skills. Like, if you're just wanting a guy who's going to be active anyway to catch punts without having to activate bats, and just have, I mean, just have him do it. Other than, you know, one of your starting wide receivers, or you know. Deion Lewis. Now, having said that, Deion Lewis could do it and be really good and electrifying at it. Like he could make it into something. But if you're just looking for somebody to fair catch or yeah. take it, or take five or ten free yards, you know, give it to Jennings or give it to uh, Fluellen. But it, it was really weird. I, I also uh, while we ta- while we're talking about Batson, is he like good? Like because because uh, I I don't He's remember. Fast. I, I don't He's remember. Fast. I don't remember seeing him make a single play where I was like, oh, that guy should be on the 53-man roster, much less over Nick Williams and uh, Deontay. Did you see Kenneth Durden make any of those plays, though? Yeah. Well, Kenneth Durden, like, was the only person making tackles and doing – Did did you see Corey Davis make any plays where you thought that guy should be on the 53? uh, Yeah, the the, uh, two-touchdown game he had versus the New England Patriots in the playoffs. (laughs) Qualifies. Garbage time hero. He's basically Bortles, you know. First <laughs> <laughs> conversation. Let's skip to analysis. Um, I will say on this. Let's talk about Corey Davis because <laughs> I I just don't know with him, man. It's taken so long. And when you think about the number one receivers in the NFL, not the elite guys. I'm talking just you know the clear number one. So. We're talking, you know, Allen Robinson kind of guy. Um, uh, I had a guy in mind. A.J. Green, Mike Evans, um, you know, Demarius Thomas, guys like that. It didn't take them this long to not look lost, (laughs) you know? Yeah, um, I'm assuming you're talking about the miscommunications with Well, I mean, the miscommunication – I see no explosion from him. I see nothing from Corey Davis that says, "I mean, oh, that's the guy." Like, honestly, Will is he that different for, than Mike Williams? I think I might have just. Yeah, he absolutely is that different from Mike Williams. It's insane. Okay, so they threw him a screen <laughs> and he took it flat-footed ten yards for a first down, just outrunning wow, small ten yards. Yeah, if you throw it to him and he gets ten yards every play, you score on every drive. Ten <laughs> yards is a ten yards is a big deal. Mike Williams five for eighty one against the Chiefs. Just saying. Corey yeah, because Davis. they were in garbage. They got like a three or four touchdown uh, deficit at one point because they were getting stomped by Mahomes. Like that's not equivalent. Like the Titans were in this. He also game wasn't playing with Blaine Gabbert. For, Blaine for Gabbert a for a whole second half. Like it's it, and is it's he still, any it, better when Mariota is in there? Because here, here's the thing. When Blaine, Ga- you know, him, he and Mariota had the miscommunication in the first half. When Blaine Gabbert entered the game, they had miscommunication. This is not a Mariota problem. This is not a Blaine Gabbert problem. This is a Corey Davis problem. If he is, 
you know, we talk about it's an option route. They, you know, he's seeing this and doing. Clearly, he is not doing the right things because he's got two veteran quarterbacks who never seem to throw it where he is. Well, okay. What do you, okay, so earlier that pass on third down that he caught that converted for a first down where it was behind him, like what do you want him to do on that play? Like, I mean, he he catches it for a first down to keep Are the drive Are you talking alive. about the 10-yard like, in route that he ran? I'm talking about on, what was it, third and six or seven when he caught a 13 or 14-yard yeah, pass. Yeah, that, that, I had no problem with that play. I mean, whatever. Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't. But, like, the ball, I mean, he wasn't led. Like, it was a no-look pass from Mariota, so it was a little bit behind him. And, he's, you know, he's adjusted and yeah, caught that, the that's ball. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these, like, complete misfire plays where, like, the ball's 15 yards away from him, and he's like, oh, there it goes. But there's only one of those, wasn't there? Like, there were two. I mean, there it, were two. One with Gabbard and one was with Mariota. Gabbard. Okay, oh, yeah. but, sure. I, I mean, how many reps has Gabbard gotten with Corey Davis? How many reps has Mariota gotten with Corey Davis? Why is that still what, happening? What, Mariota played with Corey Davis the whole preseason. Exactly, like, so that shouldn't still be happening. Wow, it I is mean, getting I, heated I in here, guys. I don't know it's, it's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in, cool the waters here. <laughs> I thought Corey Davis played pretty well, honestly. <laughs> I thought he was our best receiver. No one else did anything. Yeah, they, so Delaney, Delaney played well before he was well, yeah, no, the dust. Delaney's always the best receiver. He, he's, he, I, I'm going to miss him so much. Anyway, uh, Tajay Sharp, I, I don't even know how, how he's on the team. What, what, what does he bring to this team at all um, that Taewon Taylor can't bring? Anyway, I know Taewon Taylor probably should have caught the touchdown, but he needs more playing time. Uh, Rashard Matthews, I, I don't know. Did he even play? They I, I barely... That was absurd. I, I, I don't know. I don't, know I don't, I don't... I mean, we'll talk more about this as we kind of get into the offensive game plan with, with Rashard Matthews because I have some issues with that. But he did play because he had the uh, the punt return. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw him out there at times, but he, he didn't even get a look. All right, so um, I didn't think Corey Davis played that bad. He, he made a couple good catches, uh, moved the chains a couple times. Um, six catches on 13 targets isn't great, but he played with Blaine Gabbard. I, I the whole do, okay, let, but let, I agree. Let, let me. Clear. I agree that he doesn't look as explosive um, as maybe we thought he would be, and I don't know if that's injury related or maybe maybe he's just not getting the ball in the right places. But I agree on that aspect. So let, let me clarify. I do not think Corey Davis is a bad player. I think he is better than. He's the most talented receiver on the Titans roster. I have no issue saying that. And I think he's he you could do a lot worse. My problem is he is not being nor does he seem to be on a path toward being what the Titans drafted him to be and that is a number 1 target. You know, he and Mariota should be getting closer to like an Aaron Rodgers Jordy Nelson connection where you know obviously Aaron Rodgers is much better than Mariota, but what I'm saying is, you know, Nelson was always where Rodgers wanted him to be, and they could just, you know, he would flick it back shoulder, and and, and uh, Nelson was going to catch it. He was going to be in the right place, and he was going to know what his quarterback wanted him to do. They're not anywhere close to that. Like, it's not even a point where we can say, well, you know, it is Aaron Rodgers. Like, they're, okay, whatever. They're not even at a point at like an Andrew Luck, T.Y. Hilton point, and that happened quickly. Yeah, I actually I kind of agree with you uh, on one one uh, one aspect of that. Um, when I see Corey Davis out there, I don't see a guy that's striking fear into defenses. Like whenever I see AJ Green 
uh, or Julio Jones or, play, or receivers like that. I'm just like, oh, my God. They look so much bigger um, than these other cornerbacks. Or they're just they're killing them in in a variety of ways with the the route running or whatever. For me, seeing uh, Mike Evans in Titans practice, I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude is in is the real deal. And I've never thought that with Corey Davis. You also saw Mike Evans at his peak. Like Mike Evans is entering the best part. So what? What's Corey Davis's peak? Two touchdowns against the Patriots in garbage time. He's played Um, what thirteen games. It hasn't done. It's not. I mean. And what eleven of them were in Mike Malarkey's scheme? I mean, which wide receiver looked great in that scheme? Rashard Matthews. He looked great. You think he looked like legitimately like a number one wide receiver? Looked better than Corey Davis first year. Yeah. Oh man, Mike Evans had a thousand yards in his rookie. Well, Rashard Matthews had no competition for targets. So Mike Evans caught uh, caught sixty eight balls for a thousand yards and twelve scores his rookie season. Yeah, but he was pretty bad the second year. I don't know, man. He only caught three touchdowns. Yeah, like it still went over a thousand yards, but yeah. So it's different being like a top ten wide receiver in the class with Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, and OBJ. Like it's like I, I understand like the thought process that like if you spend a fifth pick on a receiver, you want him to be that guy. And I know he's not one of those guys, and you, you, there's nothing you can point to to say, okay, he's going to be one of those guys. But there's no reason he can't be like a number one receiver in the NFL. Like, there's there's no limiting factor. I, I don't know. That's that's the disconnect I have. Like, so back when the Titans played Oakland, the first game of the season when Corey Davis was healthy, he made what two or three really nice catches to start off his career. Then he got hurt. And then he played with not not necessarily a bum hamstring, but he had to kind of work his way back into the offense. And when he finally rounded back into shape, you know, he had a really good game against Kansas City and a really good game against – he also had a really good game against uh, the Rams too. He, he had a couple of good plays there. But, uh, I mean, obviously the crown jewel of his career so far is the New England game. But, I mean, he's an entirely new offense, one that's predicated more on – running the ball and getting the ball to the running backs in space than it is to get in the getting it to the wide receivers downfield, which is why Todd Gurley led the Rams in receiving last year. I mean, Todd Gurley's great. Don't mean a lot of that's on him too, but part of that is just because that's the system he was in last year. So there's not in a wide receiver in this offense, except I think peak Julio when, uh, when uh, what's his name? The Matt, uh, Sean McVay. Uh, other than like peak Julio in this offense, I don't think there's been a real number one star wide receiver. So it's, I think it's just different. I think they just look at the way to attack defenses differently. Like their whole scheme is run the ball, set the run up to, for play actions and for screen passes and all that. And yesterday it's not like there was really a lot of time to get into rhythm. Like there was a quarter and a half, essentially then a lightning delay. Then there was, a half a quarter than a lightning delay. I mean, it's hard to set up plays when defensive backs and linebackers get, you know, two hours at a time to dissect your last eight plays and to say, okay, watch for this. It's more of, you know, jab, 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 uppercut kind of thing than it is just pure, beautiful play design. So I guess going back to the root of it, I don't know if Corey Davis is going to be a 1,200, 1,300-yard receiver in this offense, even if he has that potential. I think he's more of, you know, a thousand yard receiver with eight, nine, ten touchdowns. I think that's what you need to look for as 
a real, you know, wide receiver one in this offense. But I mean, it's his first game. If we're going to not overreact, I think that's the thing not to overreact to. I'm with you. I didn't think he played that bad, honestly. I, I, I get. Let's give him some time. Yeah, there's been a lot worse games by a lot higher picks that ended up being fine. I just, it, it doesn't stress me out that much. Yeah, I, I agree with some of that, but my my <laughs> my, my, my points is still stay. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the offensive scheme from yesterday because my biggest problem with it was number one, too much Derrick Henry. And number two, not enough Rashard Matthews or Delaney Walker. Look, the two best receivers on this team are Rashard Matthews and Delaney Walker, and you have got to get them the ball. You cannot go a game without – I don't care what the conditions are. You cannot go a game without targeting Rashard Matthews. You just can't. And they had they, yeah. they targeted Delaney Walker twice in the first half. He had one catch for 10 yards. That cannot happen. Obviously, it won't happen with Delaney Walker again because he's hurt now, but – you can't do that. You've got to get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. And Deion Lewis is one of those playmakers. Now, they did a good job in the second half of kind of making up for it and getting Deion Lewis the ball. But Derrick Henry needs – they need to stop running him up the middle. We talked about it before the show. Because it never works. It never works. And, and Will, I, w- I want you to tell our listeners when, when next time you, you speak about uh, your uh, concussion girlfriend theory and the wobbling – but, I mean, he, he just stumbles around and falls. That's what he does. Unless it's one of those plays where, like, there's a huge opening and he exploits it. If he thinks he's going to get touched, he stumbles around and then falls. Yeah. Um, he's very frustrating to watch, I'm going to be honest. Um, <laughs> on, this, on this podcast, it appears I'm the last remaining Derrick Henry apologist. Um, but I agree. The, the the runs up the middle they, they don't work. They don't work. Dion Lewis Dion Lewis is just a better up the middle runner than Derrick Henry. It doesn't make sense, but he was fantastic at it last year uh, with the Patriots, and he showed it in this game um, that that's where where he should be used. And we've talked about it time and time again that Henry needs to be stretched outside, um, and he needs. Uh, room to run uh, in order for him to pick up speed and, and really get going because he's just not he's not a power running back he's not Marshawn Lynch not even close uh, and we've seen that we've seen that um, and, and I think um, once we stop expecting it um, the the more we'll kind of appreciate what Henry does um, I appreciate but what he does but my problem is. The, number one, the team doesn't understand what he does. No, I don't. Clearly I not. Know. That's what it is. I think I th- yeah. honestly think that's my biggest issue because I think Derrick Henry in the open field at this point may be the hardest player to tackle in the NFL in the open field. He's fast, yeah. he's huge, he's strong. But he never gets himself to the open field, number one, because they don't understand that he's not good up the middle. But number two, he's not good up the middle. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know how it gets tackled sometimes by like an arm. It doesn't make any sense to me. But um, he's, he's big, Chris Johnson. That's what Will always says. I know we did say it all the time. Okay, but uh, <laughs> here's some. <laughs> here's the bright side. Uh, he had a sixty-yard touchdown that should not have been called back. Um, and that's kind of what had been, what had been being worked up to, um, the entire game by running him. Um, against the defense 10 times and then he finally pops one and because of a phantom holding call um, it gets called back so 
I understand the frustrations. Um, I'm frustrated as well. Um, but I was a little bit surprised we didn't even go back to him after that long touchdown run. Why not try the same play? Um, I, I, I know the, the score. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what the score had gotten to um, at that time. But I'm pretty sure we still could have ran the ball. We could have given him a couple more a couple more totes, and maybe he would have popped another one. Um, I'm not sure. I, it doesn't really matter. I mean, Deion Lewis was playing fantastic anyway. So all of this is to say... Uh, I still like Derrick Henry. Um, I still think it should be a 50-50 split between Henry and Lewis. Um, but Henry needs to be better, honestly, and he needs to be used more efficiently, like you said. Uh, it's like somebody whose girlfriend has told him they're afraid of him getting, like, a head injury. And I completely get that. That's – that. You know, it's your body, it's your life, whatever. But that's how he plays. Like, he doesn't want to lower his head for contact, which – is illegal, although I don't think any of those lowering the head penalties have been called in week one. I think that was all just to scare everybody. But <laughs> it uh, totally was. Yeah, it was all it was all just a red flag, just so people would or a false flag, just so people would look at that and ignore everything else. But um, anyway, the the issue with him is when he runs behind his pads, he can do whatever he wants. Like there was a play yesterday where. He went, I don't know if it was designed there or if he cut it back there, but he lowered his shoulders and just started driving his feet and ran. Wait, that, and, that, got- and that's why he was so good in the Kansas City game. Because if you remember, the week leading up to that, he was like, you know, I was soft in the Jacksonville game. I need to run harder. And he did. He ran harder. And then the next week in New England, he went right back to the Derrick Henry yeah. we saw on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's the thing is if he commits to being tough and being a guy who's – you know, I'm 6'3", I'm 250 pounds, I can run wherever I damn well please, then he could he could be an amazing running back. But for whatever reason, I don't know if he's – I don't know if it just hurts him to do it. I don't know if it's hard for his body to contort in that way. But he refuses to bend at the waist when he runs because he's standing up looking for places to cut back to run for a 70-yard touchdown when what he really needs to be doing is setting up his counter punch yeah. by running inside. You know, make them tackle you for the six-yard gains five times and then show that and put your foot in the ground and cut, and then you'll have space. But if if they know that you're going to stand still and look around and try to find a hole, they're all going to tackle you then instead of giving you space. It just It's not the correct way to play football for him. And that's why Deion Lewis is good. Deion Lewis knows who he is. He knows, okay, if I run to the line, like if I get to my spot quicker than everybody else, I will have space to make a cut. You know, if I if we're running ISO left and let's say we're going in the B gap, if I run and get between the guard and tackle faster than that linebacker can, I know I can read where my blocks are going and cut a certain way that I have more space and beat that guy and then I have a real chance in the open field. And that's what he does. I mean that's you know, you saw it yesterday on the catch. It was there was a third down catch later in the game, I think from Gabbert, where uh, he ran to a spot and squared up with Kiko Alonso and kind of he knew that he would have him beat no matter which way he went. So he gave him kind of a high step to the left and then put his foot in the ground and cut around. And he got four or five yards on the third and three easily because he knows that if I can get to the point to a spot before a linebacker can, I can beat a linebacker. And that's what he does every play. So it, 
Henry's fault. Is, Henry's issue is he doesn't know who he needs to be, and the coaches still don't know that he's only limited to being one sort of guy. If that's how he's going to play, and they'll just keep doing the same mistake over and over and over until they let Deion Lewis play, and Henry gets so mad that he actually plays behind his pads like he did two years ago in Miami when he was the backup behind DeMarco Murray. So that's just kind of yeah. where we are with that. So let's also the O line kind of sucked yesterday. Oh yeah, they, they were not opening a lot of holes. I mean, you got to get Conklin back. And, like, they, that was – they knew the plan. That, that's why Stalker was wide open, too, though, is because they were committed to stopping the run, and they were going to mm-hmm. make the Titans throw. And Mariota was carving them up, and he was doing well, and then he got hurt, and everything went down the drain. But, I mean, the Dolphins' game plan was what the Titans' game plan said it was going to be. It was, we're going to stop the run. And when Blaine Gabbert was in – they, I mean, they were blitzing safeties. That's why Deion Lewis got cracked so hard for that three-yard loss is because every lineman was taken up, and they just were blitzing more than we had, knowing that we weren't going to pull it and throw it with Blaine Gabbert. So, I mean, why would they stay in coverage? And yeah. that's exactly what happened. Let, let's move on and talk about the, uh, the defense. And uh, I'm kind of curious as to what you guys think, particularly with this, because I don't really have much of an opinion as to what why things went wrong. I just know that things did go wrong. They couldn't, you know, break up the tempo of the Dolphins' offense. No pass rush. Gore and and Drake were running around like it was backyard football. Just bad overall from the defense. I I, I made the comment earlier. I don't know that Kevin Byard recorded a stat, which I don't know that's that's all his fault because he plays safety. But you got to do a better job of getting him, you know, involved in the game. Um, you know, Vaccaro, he gets fired if he doesn't make that interception. Butler made a nice play on his pick, and I thought Logan Ryan played well. But other than that, bad. Yeah, um, I think we're really feeling the effects of uh, Avery Williamson leaving. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't know how we're going to be the same. No, no, seriously, we were terrible, and it was really frustrating. The front seven, they were, they were getting decimated. By, by a Dolphins O line that hasn't been good in a decade, um, and by thirty-four hey, year old Laramie Tunsil, Frank Gore, <laughs> who, who did terrible oh. yesterday. By the way, <laughs> did he? Was he the? I can't remember. He and Lawan both had really bad holding calls. One of them grabbed a helmet and slung the dude down, and the other one just stuck his arm out and grabbed the shoulder pad. Yeah, Lawan grabbed the helmet. Okay. Um, he also had a false start that put him. Uh, behind the sticks, and they had to punt because they couldn't make up the yardage. He did terribly. Their their O line is not good, but against us, they looked fantastic. Uh, Daquan Jones was non-existent. Austin Johnson, uh, he's invisible. Uh, Jarrell Casey really didn't do much either. Um, our linebackers could. Uh, can can, we, can we talk about Austin Johnson for a second? Because I'm done. Kevin Dodd announced. Fan club. <laughs> you, I forgot. Kind of forgotten about that. Kevin Dodd gets all this bad attention because he sucked. But like, what has Austin Johnson done? He's not even a starter, and he's in his third year. And like, no one talks about how that was a bad second round pick. Yeah. Uh, this is not my conversation to have. I have touted him for quite a while. But uh, well, well, I don't know. What do you like, think? About, I know he's supposed to be just a, a like a run a run guy, a run stopper yeah. guy. But he's not even that. He's supposed to be a I nose. Mean, he has some I, thought, I thought he was going to be a nose, and they kept trying to play him at D end, and Daquan Jones was just clearly better. 
Yeah. We should have kept Antoine Woods and Julius Wormsley. Woods Wormsley. is a cowboy. Woods made the, made the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you think? So, okay. So, uh, Vinny Logan's good. Um, yeah, he had a Durkin's, couple good plays. Yeah, he, he's he's strong. He's the nose guard they need. Like, he, he should be playing nose. That's fine. Um, Jarrell Casey, for all the talk about him playing three technique, was an afterthought. I mean, yeah. it, like. I mean, it always happens with him. We talk about yeah, this. Yeah. He, yeah, he goes – What this is kind of his pattern is it's nothing for the first week or two. Then he'll have a big week where he has two sacks. Then he'll miss four weeks, and then down the stretch he'll be really good. And it's not necessarily that he's playing poorly down, down all those – I mean, I don't think he played well this week, but it's not necessarily that he's playing poorly. It's just that the stats like aren't there because he's doing good things, but other people are failing. Yeah. This time he just looked like – he looked like he was the mark. Like – there was a, a tra- outside trap pool they had, um, Wham or whatever you call it, and he got way upfield, even though it was the first time he got upfield all game, and just got destroyed. I mean, just got flattened. And, and I mean, he just didn't make an impact. And I, I love Jarrell Casey. When Jarrell Casey's on, I think he's outstanding. But there, there's people in the fan base who y'all want to put him with, you know, Geno Adkins and Gerald McCoy and Dominican Sue in that he's like a top five defensive tackle. And statistically, he may be. And when he flashes, he flashes strong. It's just there's so many spots in between where I just feel like he's not doing what a guy that caliber should do. Um, Having said that, he's clearly the best defensive lineman on the Titans roster because Daquan Jones and Austin Johnson just – I mean, I don't don't know what to tell you. Like, they they had – I mean, they, there were plenty of times where they should have won their matchups, and they just could not do it. It was, uh, it was, it was bad all around. I mean, we 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 can talk about linebackers in a second, but just on those guys, like I, I wrote an article today, and I kind of gave every position position grades, and then I wrote, you know, what I thought the biggest needs were going forward. And right now, defensive line is my number one position. You know. They, I think they've got people on the edge who will eventually make an impact, but a defensive line, I mean, Jarrell Casey's not getting younger, and you know Austin Johnson and Daquan Jones both look like you could probably move on without them next year if you wanted to, and there'd be no real repercussions in terms of drop-off. So I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, they better get it together this year because we only have five defensive linemen on the roster. So they better get it together because I don't see any other moves uh, that would be coming there. Um, hopefully it was just a, it was just an off day, but it, it appeared to be an off day for the whole defense because uh, no one no one played well. So we'll be back later in the week to uh, to preview the Texans game more in detail. Talk about you know DeAndre Hopkins, JJ Watt matchups and things like that. But as we close out our recap. Um, I'd like each of you to provide something just in general, not like a Texan-specific thing, something in general that happened in this game that needs to change if the Titans want to not just beat the Texans but beat anybody. And mine is going to – I'm going back to the offense. Get your playmakers involved. You don't have Delaney Walker anymore, so you got to figure out who that is. And I'm going to tell you, it starts with Rashard Matthews in the passing game. Yeah, that's fair. Um Honestly, I thought the offense didn't look that all that terrible until uh, Mariota got hurt. 
So I'd like to focus on the defense. This defense is way too talented to look this bad. Yeah. And they've looked this bad all preseason. And it carried over into week one. And I'm officially concerned because Dean Pease has a pretty good track record, but a lot of people didn't like him um, because of the way his scheme um, just allowed a lot of free runners. um, And particularly at the end of games, um, they they kind of broke down. Um, And Vrabel has a bit of a bad rap because Texans defense unraveled last year. Um, I know they dealt with injuries, but a lot of people didn't like his scheme either. Um, So I'm concerned about the defense and uh, and I want to see them play uh, much better against a division rival next week. Uh, mine's like kind of technical. So, uh, the Titans started off in a four, three look, which on paper sounds great, but instead of having their linebackers be Will Compton, Jayon Brown and Wesley Woodyard, they moved Kamala Correa from edge back to linebacker, which shows a level of misunderstanding of your talent at such a high level that I didn't think that this coaching staff would do it, especially with Dean Pease have working with Correa in the past. So that that's not something you can do. You have to understand that if you want that look, what you need to do is you need to put uh, Correa on the line or have Jayon Brown do a little bit of both. But I can't look at that look again because it's so easy to exploit. All you have to do is get Correa in space and you'll, you'll destroy him. So, they have to make adjustments and kind of realize what their players can and can't do. And hopefully this film shows them a lot what they can't do because we all saw it. Yeah, one last thing. Uh, tackle the ball carrier. It's uh, unbelievable. Oh, oh it was how many missed tackles. So, so also on this, Vrabel said today that there were eight missed tackles, and that could not be true. No, no, no. There no. were eight missed tackles over every four-play period that you saw. There's <laughs> no way that they missed less than 15 tackles. And the fact that he would say that is insane. Like, there must be some other, like, it must mean outside the tackle box in open space between 5 to 10 yards or something because there's no way it was just 8. It was a fundamental issue that for somebody who screamed fundamentals all offseason, they looked terrible at. Yeah, agreed. Well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Thanks for listening. Again, we'll be back later in the week to preview Titans versus Texans. Um, Until then, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating. Um, We are also available on Stitcher, uh, Google Play, Spreaker, a whole bunch of other places. Uh, Thanks again for listening. For Matias Wadner and Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. We will talk to everybody later in the week. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.